My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. This morning, I'm going to be preaching from the Epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 11 to 23, and the title of my sermon is The Hope of the Saints. Uh, Many years ago, when I was in seminary, it's a lot longer than I think, it feels just like it was yesterday, but it's been quite a while now, I uh, went with a group of classmates. We were doing a class called... uh, uh, introduction to World Christian History, I think it was. No, Introduction to the Christian Tradition. See, it's been a while. I can't even remember the name of the class. And so for part of our class work, what we had to do is we had to go and visit different Christian traditions to see how they worship. Because most of us at the time, I was working in a non-denominational church at the time. And the theology was maybe a little bit more Baptist. And I had friends who were Mennonites. Uh, one who was Anglican who had later left to, to finish up his studies at another seminary. Uh, we had people who were Presbyterians, um, some Reformed uh, folks as well. And so all of us, uh, we had to go on a, this trip to uh, St. Stephen's Orthodox Cathedral uh, in, in, in Philadelphia to look at, uh, uh, to, to experience um, Eastern Christian worship. And uh, the liturgy had begun already when we got there. And the worship was being held in a small chapel, not in the, the main worship area. And uh, when I walked in, all over the place. I saw a stylized picture of, of men and women, uh, pictures of Jesus, uh, the apostles, the Blessed Virgin, the angels, and many others. And at the time, I remember getting a little annoyed because I walked in, and it was probably when I was at the height of my most sort of reformed, uh, I, I thought I was more reformed than I actually turned out to be theologically, and I walked in and I'm like, aren't all these images violations of the second commandment? The answer, of course, to that is, is no. But I thought this to myself at the time. I had no frame of reference for what I saw. And uh, when we discussed what we had seen in our next class, I was maybe a little bit uncharitable in my comments. Though I, I did respect the complete lack of, of pandering to modern ways uh, of doing church. And so many years and countless exposures to traditional Christian worship later, I found myself here at this church. And I was about to lead our first group of confirmands, well, my first group of confirmands, I should say, through the Apostles' Creed. Uh, not, not the group that I have now, it was another group a few years before. And while preparing for this section where we confess, I believe in the communion of the saints, I was struck by just how bare the, prepar- the preparation material was that I was, that I was using. And I was using solid material from good evangelical, um, good evangelical theologians and good Reformed theologians and good Methodist theologians and Anglican theologians. But the section on the communion of the saints seemed to be the most lacking out of uh, all of the material. And occasionally, I will even be asked here, you know, why do I refer to the saints in my preaching? I will quote them uh, extensively sometimes, particularly St. Augustine and St. John Chrysostom. Or, um, or focus on the saints, uh, on saints' days. Like, well, well uh, a couple weeks ago we had um, the Feast of St. James. 
And I've been thinking a lot about that, and, and I realized that what we say we believe about the saints shines a light, I think, on what we believe about God. Because many of us, and I'll throw myself in there too, right? Many of us, when we look at the world, we're looking at it through the lens, even though we're Christians, we're looking through, at the world through the lens of secular materialism. Just sort of this flat world view, right? That all that is, and all that ever will be, Carl Sagan, right? This is the universe, right? Just whatever, the only thing that exists are the things that we can observe and test with these uh, two eyes, right? We take for granted, I guess, or we don't really maybe delve deep into the Christian understanding that this is not a flat secular reality that we live in, but our world is suffused with the spiritual and even though we can't see it right now, brothers and sisters, it's not just us standing here in this building. It's not just you sitting there and listening to me preach and all of us singing hymns together and all of us coming before the Lord's table in a few moments. Even though we are doing that, right now we are not alone. What we see in the picture from Revelation that Casey read for us a few moments ago is the gathering of the martyred saints in heaven. And if you come to our Revelation class that we're doing on Wednesday nights, this is just a little bit of plug, you'll hear more about this, right? But worship is going on in heaven and the worship on earth and the worship in heaven combined, right? So what we're doing here right now is us as the saints of the church that are alive and remain right now, we are worshiping the Lord with the saints in heaven, they are there. They are alive. They are not dead. They are in the presence of Christ and we are all joined together as Christ's body worshiping in, uh, on earth and in heaven. And even though you cannot see it, I cannot see it, we are surrounded by the company of angels and the host of heaven as we all worship and adore the risen Christ. In the selection from Ephesians, St. Paul begins by saying that there is an inheritance and that God is working everything out according to his divine design, his divine purpose for the restoration of fallen humanity. And a little bit earlier in Ephesians 1.5, St. Paul says, he, we have been predestined to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. And the purpose of his will is what he continues on in verse 7 through 10. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. So God's divine plan, right? God's predestined purpose for us and for all creation, he says here, not just for you and me, right? We sometimes have this, this interesting view of, of, of the Christian end to our lives, right? Where it's just about the salvation of our souls and nothing else. But St. Paul says right here in Ephesians that all things in heaven and on earth are predestined to be united to God through his Son. All creation. 
This predestined purpose then gives him and the first followers of Jesus hope. And that hope leads to the praise and glorifying of Jesus. And we ourselves enter into this and the Ephesian church entered into this through the blood of Christ. Shed for their and our forgiveness, for our justification, for our reconciliation, and the promise of our resurrection. And the, the, the believers in Ephesus have become a part of this. And we have become a part of this. The hope that Paul had, he prays that that church in Ephesus will receive that hope too. He says that the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Hope isn't just a mental feeling of goodwill that maybe everything will just work out okay if we stay positive and have a, a healthy, positive mental attitude. No. Christian hope is experiential. It is a gift given to us by the indwelling Spirit. And we are given the Spirit as a guarantee. Recently, I had a, a, a pair of glasses that did not work out well for me. I used them probably longer than I should have. I bought a, a I went online and I shopped around and I, I, I bought a pair of glasses that have progressive lenses. Anybody familiar with progressive lenses? Right, that's probably the only progressive thing you could say about me is that I had progressive lenses. I had to get rid of them eventually because I just, I couldn't, <laughs> they just didn't work for me. I had trouble with these lenses. I could, you know how they're, they're divided up into, you know, into, um, uh, reading here, and then mid here, and then right up here is, is distance, right? I had these on, but it destroyed my peripheral vision. And I'm kind of a tall guy, right? So when I would turn in the kitchen, I like knock over my son, and I, and I turn over this way, and I knock over my daughter. My wife's like, what are you doing to our children? I'm like, I didn't see them. And I got clumsy because it did things on the side here. I just, I was knocking and breaking glasses. I was just hitting stuff. I was dropping things. It was not fun. So eventually what I did was, I was like, I got to get rid of these glasses. So I went back onto the website and I saw something like, we guarantee these glasses that if something happens or whatever, and they got very scratched up and they were supposed to be scratch resistant, even though they, I don't know, they got super scratched. And like, we guarantee that if they get scratched up or messed up, you can send them to us and we will send you a new one free of charge. So I was like, I'm going to see if they'll honor that guarantee. And they did. So I contacted them online. I got the, the, I talked to the salesperson or whatever. And we went back and forth for a little while. And she said, okay, send the old ones back. So I sent the old ones back. They sent me the new ones with single, um, single vision lenses, right? They did all that. And they honored the guarantee that they would stand behind to their, they would stand behind the product that they sold me. Now this is a little bit of a silly example, right? But let's use that and apply it to what St. Paul said to them here about the Holy Spirit. He said, you were sealed with the Spirit, verse 13. Who, verse 14, is the guarantee of our inheritance, the down payment of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is given to the Christian as a guarantee that everything that God has promised us will be given to us. We have been sealed. God has placed his imprimatur upon us. He has marked us as his own, as Christ's own. And the Spirit, as St. Paul will say in the book of Romans, bears witness within us that we are truly children of God. The guarantee of the hope that we have been given will be ours. And then he talks about 
the greatness of the power of God. The greatness of the power in Christ. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? Verse 19, towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but in the age to come. The greatness of his power. That's the same power that he worked raising Christ from the dead. And that's the power that's at work in us as the saints of God, as his called out holy ones. This is the power at work within the saints who have passed. Our loved ones, our friends and family who died in the arms of Christ. And then also those through the history of the church who testified to their life and deeds of the greatness of God. All of that is energized by the greatness of his power. And death is something that cannot separate us from God. Death cannot separate us from God. St. Paul makes this point at the end of Romans chapter 8. We, many of us know, we've read it many times. Life or death, angels or demons, nothing in this world and the other world. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that does not stop when our physical body dies. Because Christ is risen. We're going to repeat that over and over and over again after Easter, right? Every Sunday, Christ is risen. Yeah, good practice. Good. We're practicing. That's good. I like the eagerness. <laughs> this mighty power is at work in us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, St. Paul will say, dwells in you. And this is the guarantee of our inheritance, our hope. That the mighty power of God will work our own resurrection when Christ returns. Remember that the purpose for which we have been saved is to be united with God through his son. Union with the divine is not part of some esoteric branch of Eastern religion. It's God's purpose for everything. As Paul makes known here, through the blood of Christ, our reception of salvation, justification, our coming glorification is part of God's plan to unite everything in Christ. And this is not experienced in a disembodied existence or some type of personless absorption into the universe where everything we were is lost, where we cease to be who we are. No. Just as our life is embodied, our life in the age to come is embodied as well. And the saints who have passed before us, our loved ones who had died in the arms of Christ, who believed in Christ, who loved Christ, who served Christ, who them themselves were given the Spirit as a guarantee. They are alive in Him. And the great saints of the church, those who, who gave all for Christ, who spread the gospel to the world, the apostles, right? You know, Peter and John and Paul. And then other ones like Barnabas. And then later on, Irenaeus, Ignatius, Athanasius, Basil, Gregory. The great saints of the church who left their lives as an example for us, they are alive in heaven as well. The power of God does not cease working in us when we are dead. 
because that power is what will give rise to us rising. Because ultimately, as we're going to confess, right, that, that, that Jesus will return. The angel said he will return in the same way, right? And when he returns, that's when all of this takes place. Those who have died in Christ will come with him. Those of us who are alive and remain will meet up with him. And forever we shall be with the Lord. The great Christian hope is not disembodied existence in heaven floating on a cloud somewhere. The great Christian hope is just as Christ was resurrected from death, so too the Christian will share in that through his. That's what we're symbolizing, right? When we were baptized, we are, we are under the water, or when the water is sprinkled on us, we are dying and we're being raised with Christ. That's what we're doing in baptism. And Christ's resurrection is a template. It's a model for the resurrection that we as his saints are promised in the future. And that should give us hope, brothers and sisters, that the end of this life, the end of this physical life, is not the end for us. Is that even though our souls and bodies will be separate, separated, our souls will be united with Christ until the resurrection, when we are made whole and renewed and re-embodied, energized by the Holy Spirit that we have been given already as a foretaste of the life and the age to come, which is something that the saints in glory are experiencing now. That's why I say the way maybe we look at the saints is the way that, that we believe about God. If we believe this, right, then we can believe in a God that works miracles. If we can believe in the saints that are united with God, experiencing Him, that the hope that they've been given, they're experiencing that now, that means that it empowers our own hope. That means that we can believe in a, in a reality that's suffused with the presence of God and not this flat secular materialism that modernism and postmodernism, whatever ism you want to talk about, tries to sell us. Is that we are gathered together here in worship. We are gathered together with all the saints, past and present and future, because that's all of us. And so to our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we all honor, together with his Father, who is from everlasting, and is all holy good and life-creating spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Zion's Stone Church. We're in the middle of a building repair campaign, and if you'd like to help, please go to www.gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We'd appreciate anything you'd be able to donate. If you're ever in the area, you're always welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. God bless you.